You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Three and two, the count. Crawford with the leadoff first. Long set by Cole. Crawford is going. The payoff pitch. Strike three call. Throw on the second base, and that is in time. It's a strike him out, throw him out, double play as Cole points at Stassi as the inning comes to an end. This is another Astros podcast. And he rifles this one to right field. That's going to get through and all the way to the wall. Gaddis trucking around third. He'll make it. Stassi stands in with an RBI double. It's hammered down the left field line. That's a fair ball. That one will go to the corner. Springer racing around third base. Pettis is going to send him, and he's going to make it. Third double of the inning for the Astros. They lead three to nothing. Up in the box, open stance from the left side. Only five foot eight Kemp. First pitch, and he hits it to right field, and that's going to get down for a base hit. Guriel will score. They're going to send Davis. There's a play at the plate. Safe. The throw is high. The Astros lead 5-0 on a two-run single by Tony Kemp. Tonight, the first time that Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole have ever faced each other in a regular season game. 3-2. Swing and a miss. Blow a fastball by him inside, and that is strikeout number seven for Cole, and there is one out. That is now 100 strikeouts on the season for the Astros right-hander. Yeah, 100 strikeouts in less than 70 innings pitched on the season. That's just phenomenal. Comes the 1-1. Swings and he hits this one to shallow center field, and that's going to get in there. Austin Jackson will play it on a hop, and that's going to play two more. The Astros lead 11 to 2. Five RBIs for Tony Kemp. Have yourself a day, Mr. Kemp. The Houston Astros defeat the San Francisco Giants tonight by a final of 11 to 2. Take game one of this two-game series. Joined now in the Astros' dugout by J.D. Davis. Three walks tonight, three runs scored. And a productive night for you, even if you didn't get a hit, J.D., finding ways to get on base and score some runs in your first start since coming back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to go up there and, uh, you know, have good at-bats. The first at-bat, a little jitters uh, coming back to the big leagues. (laughs) Kind of expanded on two of those pitches, but... Uh, no, the pitcher pitched uh, well. He was, uh, you know, all of us had good at bats, man. We were grinding out uh, a lot of walks tonight and a lot of hard hit balls, extra base hits. And so uh, we just kind of passed the baton along and uh, we uh, string some runs together and some hits. J.D., you weren't expanding the zone at all in AAA. <laughs> 130 at bats, 415 average, four homers, 17 doubles. I mean, how big did the baseball look to you down there? Oh, it was a beach ball. It came, <laughs> it came pretty easy, you know, but... Now, yeah, you know, when you get sent down, you always have a choice of, you know, getting better or, you know, kind of sitting back crumbling, you know, and feel sorry for yourself. So I had an opportunity to, you know, uh, it's AAA, you know, guys don't really throw that hard. And the biggest uh, key that I need to work on was my plate discipline. And so a lot of those veteran guys are very savvy and, you know, it expand the zone um, and just work off pitches. And so I, I went down there with uh, took pride in some at bats, you know, try to work, you know, five, nine pitch at bats. And regardless if it was a hit or a walk or anything, I just wanted to make a good at bat so that way I can work on my plate discipline down there. And, you know, obviously it uh, a little uh, translated tonight. 
JD, is that one of the things you notice more than anything else is the velocity is much better at this level? Oh, yeah, by far, especially, yeah. The, especially the first pitch by Suarez. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. So he had a good little four-seam tonight. But, uh, but yeah, that's the biggest thing. You know, obviously, they say double A's got, you know, the more electric arms. And then you got a little triple A, a little uh, salty vets. And then you got the big leagues, which, you know, best of the best. All right. Hey, J.D., thanks for joining us. Glad you're back in the big leagues, and uh, congrats on the win. Thank you. Well, one of the perks of being the World Series winning manager is you get to do a few things, and in the offseason, A.J., you got a, a special honor, maybe, maybe a treat for you to go back to your college at Stanford and your honorary captain before a football game. Tell us how that went. Well, first and foremost is, is completely out of your element when you go in front of a football team. You know, I can stand in front of Altuve and Correa and Bregman Reddick, any any of our guys, and and deliver that speech, that that, that locker room feel, yeah. and command the room. Because you're bigger than those guys. I just it's just my <laughs> it's my element. And then you put me in front of of, of seventy grown men that are playing football, Division One in football is pretty in, pretty intimidating. But they asked me to come and be the honorary captain, and it was it was an awesome experience. I got to to eat with the team and do the walkthrough at the hotel and. And then I ultimately got to address the team. And the funny part of the story was it was against Washington. And Dante Pettis, son of Gary Pettis, who's now the first-round pick with the 49ers. And, and uh, so I go through my speech, and I talk about how every game matters. And, and, and every game's an elimination game, very similar to how I felt through the, through the playoffs, the Boston series, the Yankees series, the Dodgers World Series. Every game matters, and every game's an elimination game. And so at the end, I said, I, have, I just have one request, and that's Dante Pettis does not score a touchdown tonight because I can't go back to Houston and have Gary Pettis be all over me and the fact that his son dominated my field. And I said, it's my field because I went here. Yeah. And, and if any alum would tell you, uh, we own that campus when we leave. So um, he didn't score. I, I did relay that, that message to Dante on the field in pregame that, hey, man, you're not going to score because I just told the team you're not scoring. So all's well that ends well. But what an experience and what a perk coming out of the World Series. Did Dante score? No chance. He didn't. I mean, they, they're good listeners. You know, they're, they're more coachable than the players up here. So it's, it's a fun experience. He didn't, he didn't have a great night. Stanford wins a game. I have bragging rights over Pettis for a year. Yeah. All right. Trademark uh, of your baseball team here. Uh, in the last year and a half or so is the length of the lineup. You know, you get uh, production out of the bottom of the lineup. Man, we're starting to see that, uh, this homestand in particular. We are, and, that, and that's when we're at our best. And I, I think it lifts the burden off of Jose and Carlos and, and Yuli and the guys in the middle of the order if, if the bottom of the order is contributing, especially when it's at the level last night. I mean, you have Evan Gaddis get a couple hits. Tony Kemp has a great night. Uh, Max Stassi is another productive night like he's been at the bottom of the order when he plays. So... Um, it's it's a good offense when when the bottom of the order is is just as threatening as the as the top and the middle and um, obviously they're not as big names as Springer and, and Jose and Carlos but they are productive major league players and and it, and it wears down the pitcher if they know they have to be at their best the entire time. That's what it fe- that's what it feels like and the way they grind out at bats by the time it turns over back to Springer and and Bregman out too they're tired. They are, and I think it's it's you know it's a staple of of the guys that the style of hitters. When you have Max Stassi, who's pretty patient. When you have um, Evan Gaddis, who's who's controlling the zone a little bit better um, as the year has gone on, and then you have Tony Kemp, who's who's simply a, just a really good hitter who's going to have a really quality at bat, whether it's one pitch or or five or six pitches. Um, it changes the mentality of the pitcher. There are no more free outs. 
um, in our lineup. You know, at one point last year, the bottom of the order was hitting like better than average three, four, five in the big leagues, yeah. and that that's not going to happen very often. I think it sets high expectations, mm -hmm. but it does show the impact that that last night we got off to a slow start in the top of the order when the bottom of the order got 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 up to bat. Things started to take off. You talk about changing the mentality. I can't imagine anybody else on this in this rotation that changes the mentality of an entire team like Verlander. What's he do for these guys? You know, he just sets the bar really high. And, you know, obviously we, we had a really good thing going in the rotation with Dallas and Lance and Charlie and guys that were here prior to Verlander getting here. But um, when he walked into the room last last September, right after the, the August deadline, the, the standards changed. And, and whether that's subtle preparation changes or uh, the follow through, he's, he's very involved in, in everybody's mechanics, everybody's approach, and, and he's very invested in, in anchoring the pitching staff. And when you, when you have that mentality and you have those high standards, performance starts to increase. And I, and I think that the, you know, it, it's subtle in some ways and it's more bold than others, but it's, it's great impact that, that you know, we notice now. Hey, I was noticing something last night. We have the monitors in our radio booth. And I see you just having a casual conversation with Carlos Correa before he goes to the on-deck circle. And I started thinking, coming over here, you look so comfortable. What did you learn after your experience as a manager with the Diamondbacks that you wanted to just come into this situation differently? Yeah, I, I just want to connect with players. I think in, in some ways when, you, when you're a young manager, and it's the same advice I gave Cora or Boone or, or Council or any of the managers that, that kind of went – sort of a bizarre route to get to the job is that the, the job is really about the players. It's not about what you know. It's not about um, how smart you are. Or it's not even really about your own career and things that you experience. It's about finding a way to connect with players to the, to the point where they, they trust you, they believe in what you say, and ultimately they listen. And, and um, you know, I've learned I think you have to talk to players when they're struggling more than you have to talk to them when they're doing well. It's easy. Everybody wants to talk to Tony Kemp right now. Everybody wants to talk to George Springer at the, at the end of the World Series last year or Jose during his MVP season. When a guy is, is 1 for 12, when a guy is 0 for 15, when a guy makes an error, when a guy gives up a game-winning home run, that follow-up after that is very key because that's what builds a relationship of trust. And, and, and so whether it's casual right before a guy goes up to bat, whether it's around the batting cage or out in the outfield during batting practice, uh, this game will forever be about players no matter how much information we have, and it's my job to connect with them. How about Jake Marisnik, a player that you've grown close to that gets sent down? Do you still keep in touch with him? Yeah, no, I texted him back and forth, yeah. you know, almost every game that he's played um, because, I mean, it, number one, he's still on this team. Mm -hmm. he, 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 he's, he's a guy that, that, that is going to be back today, and he's going to come and, and, and contribute. Uh, but it, just because, guys, and I still text with, with Luis Valbuena. I still text with Jed Lowry. Wow. I still text with anybody that plays for me I try to stay in loose contact with because um, they might need a little bit of encouragement. Now, I don't want those guys to do well against us, so I, <laughs> I, I don't do it. But Nick Hundley today on the other side is I have, I have, I've invested a ton of time when we were both with the Padres. Um, so to, to, to keep relationships alive, to keep connecting with players, um, the information might change. It might not be about today's game when I talk to Nick Hundley, but um, it, it is something that I, that I take pride in. All right, AJ, good luck today. Appreciate it. The Houston Astros Radio Network. One of the most dominating performances we've ever seen for a Houston Astro. Steve Sparks, Robert Ford. Garrett Cole with a masterpiece. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network.
Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Alonzo Powell, hitting coach for the San Francisco Giants, who are in town to play the Astros. And, of course, you were the hitting coach for the Astros uh, the last couple of seasons. First of all, congratulations on getting the hitting coach job with the San Francisco Giants. And I know that has to be special for you, not only to be the head hitting coach, but also because San Francisco, that's home for you. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great honor being at home. You know, I know the history of the Giants, my grandfather's favorite team, my favorite team growing up. It's great to be here, great organization. And it's also fun, too, to, to come back here to Houston, get a chance to see some of the guys. I've been looking forward to it uh, all season. And uh, just to be back where we won last year, you know, brings back a lot of great memories. So I'm happy to be here and, uh, you know, hopefully we can pull out a couple games while we're here. You mentioned being with the Astros last season and uh, got your World Series ring yesterday. And, that, and I know that has to be a, a special moment for anybody to, to get a ring, especially considering all you went through with this ball club. Well, you know, it's an outstanding accomplishment. You know, on my way home from Houston at the end of the year, me and my wife, uh, Jana, we were thinking about all of the players that played that never got a chance to win a World Series ring and how special this opportunity is. So you have to cherish it. And, uh, you know, the World Series ring is beautiful. From what I hear, one of the best ones made. And uh, I'm just glad to be a part of it and uh, happy to receive it. You still uh, keep in touch with uh, some of the guys that you coach with and some of the Astros players? Oh, yeah. It's a fraternity. I've talked to a majority of the players, talked to the staff constantly. There's times where we interact, where we play different teams. Mm-hmm. They'll ask me what I see. I'll ask them what they see. So, you know, we kind of help each other out. But, you know, we're, we're going to have some fun this week. We'll go at each other the next couple of days. But it's fun being back here to see some of the guys. And I imagine during this series, moratorium on the texting back and forth, huh? No, no texting. It's just <laughs> Uh, business on both sides you know we'll say hi before the game I'm sure they're going to try to beat us and we're going to do our best to try to beat them you know looking at your this Giants club that that you're a part of you know Brandon Belt just won National League player of the week a great honor for him and what, what was the what was been the difference for him this month Belt's been playing really well you know great accomplishment for him to, to win player of the week you know he's been our steady force so far this year Brandon Crawford mm-hmm. is uh, swinging a bat well you know he made a small adjustment early in the season got better timing moved his hands up a little higher and uh, his hand I mean he's been hitting the ball extremely well so hopefully he can continue that more about Brandon Belt. I mean, he's a guy I think a lot of people around the league don't really know about him because he's been in San Francisco and they've struggled the, the last couple of years. But, I mean, you're talking about one, one of the better middle-of-the-order guys. Well, you know, he's a premier bat in the, in the National League. You know, he does a lot of things right. You know, he doesn't chase balls out of the zone. He has a very high walk rate, high on-base percentage, very underrated. You know, obviously there's some great first basemen in, in the National League and he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But hopefully this is his coming-out party to uh, let everybody know he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. You know, looking at the home park for the Giants, AT&T Park, very spacious. You know, they have the area they call Triples Alley. Uh, you know, Barry Bonds made it look easy hitting home runs out of there, but it, it's not always that easy. Does that affect at all how, how you coach some of these guys or anything of that nature? Well, you know, you're going to lose your share of uh, balls and Triples Alley out there, but, you know, you can't let it deter you. You know, you just got to keep grinding. You got to, I think you have to be more line drive oriented mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And hopefully, you know, you hit it right and you, you end up catching the wall or getting it in the seats. But, you know, it's our park. We have to play there. So, you know, we can't let it get in our heads. Hopefully we can take advantage of that on uh, some of the places on the road. But, uh, you know, San Francisco, very tough place to hit. But, you know, we do a jo- good job there. 
Alonzo Powell, Giants hitting coach, Astros assistant hitting coach the last couple of years. Always good to see you, see you Zoe. Glad you're doing well, and uh, congratulations. Thanks a lot, Robert. Thanks for having me. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.